Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And here we are again around this table. And, you know, Rachel, as I look across the table at you and you look across the table at me, we may see something totally different than what I personally see when I look in the mirror. And I know that's true because I have children. And from the time they were very small, they would say sweet things about me. And I would look in the mirror and say, I don't see that. I, I just don't see it. But my kids did. They saw in me things that I didn't even realize. And so today I want to talk about how we all have different perspectives of what is considered a treasure or maybe considered trash. So Rachel, I, w- I want to I dive in and tell you a little story. Okay, so my neighbor who used to live beside us uh, in the house that we built, she uh, babied this eucalyptus tree. And she bought it when it was just a real small sapling years and years ago. And I guess they're very hard to grow. I didn't know that. But she had babied it and fed it and nurtured it. And it was very mature in the middle of her flower garden. She was a big flower garden girl. She didn't care so much for all the, you know, things that you eat out of a garden. She just wanted pretty, pretty, pretty things. And so I remember when we first moved in, I caught a whiff of this wonderful aroma that just kind of swept across the breeze, you know? It was just, it was just headed our way, and I went, oh, what is that? Well, I discovered it was her eucalyptus tree. And she would often cut branches from that, and she was really artistic. And so she would put them in a vase with some of her other, maybe um, she had those, oh, gladiolas or irises or daylilies. And she put a vase together that always looked and smelled magnificent. And I just remember admiring not only her, but that big old eucalyptus tree. And it was kind of gnarly, really. It kind of twisted and looked kind of funny. But it had its purpose, you know, it was very, it was very full of just sweet aroma. And I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever grabbed a eucalyptus branch in like a Michaels or something, you can still smell it even after it's dried and been shipped all over the country, you can still smell it. Well, that, when it's fresh, just kind of made its way through the air to my nose (laughs) and I loved it well then they decided to move they were downsizing and the new owner she came in and she had a very different idea of what a garden should be she wanted to grow healthy things for her family to eat and so she looked at that eucalyptus tree and said what in the world is this nasty thing I don't know why this is in the middle of the garden and it smells, I don't like that, and it's gnarly, it's not 
pretty, I'm cutting it down. And after all those years of babying and nurturing that sweet eucalyptus tree, it was gone, just like that. And, and when I think about that, you know, my heart at first just kind of sighed like, oh, oh, all the years of work and toil and babying. But to her, it was just trash. And they burn it in the fire pit and it was over. And I think of how we all have different perspectives of what treasure is. Do you agree with that? Yeah, not only what treasure is, but also what beauty is, because we tend to treasure things we think are beautiful. Um, it's funny you mentioned that story because uh, we have uh, some new people that moved into my neighborhood, and the very first thing that they did was have a, a tree service come and cut down every single tree in their back and side yard. Every tree, mm -hmm. everyone. Ugh. And so now I love trees. And uh, so to me, I'm just like, oh, oh my goodness. Um, I don't live directly next door to them, but I have friends in the neighborhood who do live directly next door to them. And they were shocked and they were appalled and they lost what they felt like was the beauty of, of the trees and sort of the privacy screening that the trees provided between the two yards. So they were very upset. You know, I'm looking for some sort of a reason for why someone would want to cut down every tree in the yard. I'm thinking maybe they're going to put in a swimming pool or something. But they didn't. They just did not want any trees in their yard for, for whatever reason. I'm sure they have a reason. But I also, when you were talking about how your kids could see things in you that you couldn't see in yourself or would say things to you and you'd go look in the mirror and think, where do they see that? Um, it reminded me of... Uh, my mother-in-law was a, uh, a school teacher, elementary school teacher, and um, uh, one year at Valentine's, what she did was she took um, kids one by one, she took them into um, like kind of the, an office area where it was quiet away from the rest of the class, and she recorded, she asked them, tell me about your mom and what you love most about your mom, and she recorded that to give to the mother so they could take these recordings and give them to their, to their mothers, which was a really neat idea but when my mother-in-law was telling me about this she's like Rachel it was the most amazing thing uh, I was taking them one by one nobody heard what the other kids you know said they didn't discuss what they were gonna say they're like second grade but she said every single child when asked to describe their mother every child said my mom is beautiful she is so pretty um, I love her so much. And so it was so interesting that um, every child thought their mama was beautiful. And then my mother-in-law said to me, Rachel, I know all these moms. You know, some of them, I don't know that that would apply in my description. But in these child's eyes, you know, every mom is just beautiful. You know, Rachel, the Bible clearly tells us that we're, we're to store up treasure in heaven, right? We're not supposed to build up a lot of treasure and things here. And, and I want to just, I want to talk about that for a minute because I think a lot of people misunderstand the meaning of that. And they feel guilty if they have a nice house or a nice car, or they feel bad, like, oh, am I not supposed to have that? 
And I, I think that's missing the point. I, I believe that Jesus is saying, don't let that become what you treasure most in life. If you think about what we are able to have as a treasure in heaven, like when he says, you know, store up treasure in heaven, how in the world do you do that? Because you and I have both heard that when your funeral comes, they're not going to let you haul a U-Haul behind your hearse, right? You can't take any of it with you. But there are some treasures that we can store up in heaven. And for me, I believe that what God values most, what Jesus values most as treasure is you and me. It's people. It's the people in our lives. And that, I believe, is the treasure. Well, you're quoting from one of Jesus's famous sermons, um, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 6. And in verse 19 is where he, he talks about what you're, you're mentioning. He says, don't store up treasure here on earth where it can be eaten by moths, get rusty, where thieves can break in and steal it. Store your treasure in heaven where there will never become moth-eaten or rusty, where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. Well, I love, love, love that. When we think of that verse and that passage as people. Now, could you read that again? But instead of reading the treasure in heaven, say your children's name. Would you reread that and just place your kid's name in place of treasure? Well, don't store up Caleb and Elena here on earth where they can be eaten by moths, get rusty, and where thieves break in and steal. Store Caleb and Elena in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty, where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever Caleb and Elena is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. You know, to me, I just, and you can call me crazy if you want, but when you read through the Bible, doesn't, doesn't he always say that we're precious, that we're priceless, that we're a treasure? So when we think about how we look at ourselves and maybe we look at other people, we kind of have a tendency to prejudge them. We may prejudge and not even realize we're doing it. You know, it's easy to say that we prejudge the, the person on the corner with the, with the cardboard sign. You know, we do. We prejudge them. But what about, what about the person that walks into your church doors? Now, I want to tell you a very, very dear friend of mine. She uh, lost her husband. Then she lost her mom. And she is uh, just a little bit older than you, Rachel. And she was just feeling lonely. And she really didn't have a church home, but she felt like that's the only place that she would feel whole again. And so she started putting out um, a request online looking for somebody that would accept her. And it was interesting how she did it. She was seeking uh, something that was not too far to drive. So she sent out to several churches in the area and just said, what time are your services and what's the dress code? 
And the only church that responded to her said, come as you are, come as you are. And she said, that was enough for me. And I went, and the moment that I walked in, they recognized that I was that person that sent them an email, and they embraced me. It was a smaller church, but they made me feel welcome. And from that moment on, I felt like I was home. And whoa, that just really spoke volumes to my heart. Like, of all the churches that she emailed, one said, come as you are. And isn't that what Jesus tells us? Several years ago, it was actually 2008, um, and and the day that this uh, took place for me, um, it was the Thursday in 2008 that was um, that right after that whole economic crash, uh, $700 billion bank bailout package had just passed Congress because we had to rescue these corporations that were too big to fail oh, or yes. the American economy would tank. Remember this? Um, yeah, and gas prices were so high. Gas prices were at $4 and something a gallon. Uh, on this day, the Dow was 400 points down. Many Americans were wondering if they were going to lose their jobs in the, in the coming months, and many did. So our whole country felt economically unstable, and, and money felt scarce. And um, that particular day, I had to... Um, deposit a check. And I don't carry a whole lot of cash on me. I have a debit card. And so I, I like to keep a few dollars with me in my wallet for, you know, kind of an unexpected situation. But um, I deposited my check and I thought, well, I don't have any cash on me. Maybe I should have a little bit of cash with me. So I got $25 out from, from depositing that check. So I'm on my way home from the bank with my $25 in my wallet. And I'm driving down a very busy street. And I notice a man in the distance distance standing in the median between the two double sets of lanes. Um, he was standing there waiting for a break in the traffic to cross over. And it, almost immediately, as soon as my eyes landed on him, my brain just said, give him money. <laughs> like that's just, I just see this man waiting to cross the road and I think, give him money. Now here's what I did. I start to rationalize that. I'm like, uh, I don't think I should give him money. He might be dangerous, you know. Uh, what if he uses it for something bad? What if he uses it to buy drugs? I don't want to help anybody buy drugs, right? So this is where my mind goes. Maybe your mind has gone there too. By the way, he was not holding a sign asking for money. He's just standing there waiting to cross the road. So then my second reaction was to sort of condemn myself <laughs> for my first reaction. <laughs> oh, the, how terrible of you, Rachel. You can't assume that he's going to use drug. What? what oh. So then I'm like all over myself for that. Then my third reaction was to condemn myself for ever even thinking that I should give him money. Um, and that went, I was like, Rachel, just because someone is walking instead of driving doesn't mean they don't have enough money. That's really shallow of you to assume. Besides, he might be insulted if I offered him money. <laughs> he might not need money at all. So all of this is going through my head. You, now y'all have a peek into what it's like inside of Rachel's brain. <laughs> As my husband says, when he draws a square in the air around his head, he says, this is where I live. 
this is where you live, Rachel. <laughs> yes, yes, welcome to my house. So uh, so all this is going through my head. Uh, meanwhile, I'm driving 45 miles an hour is the speed limit on this busy road. So like I, I'm, I go sailing past him as I'm trying to wrestle with all of this in my head and figure out what to do. But as soon as I passed him, I suddenly had this like, uh, like pang in my stomach, like just this, ah, uh, I think I might've just passed an opportunity from God. You mm. know, I, I, I so immediately thought, give him money. And then I started questioning that, but I think I just passed an opportunity that might be a God opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I turned my car around, had to get in, go back, come down. Now I'm coming the other way. Um, and now I'm thinking to myself, how am I, po it's a busy street. Again, traffic going 45. I'm thinking, how am I even going to get, get this money to him? And um, so I get over into the lane closest to, to the median. And then I am shocked because it was like every other car got into the other lane. I'm alone in the lane closest to him. I look in my rearview mirror. There is no cars behind me for a long ways. Wow. This is unusual on this road. So I slowed my car down to a complete stop, and I had plenty of space to do it as traffic's whizzing by me at 45. Um, and I rolled down my window. Um, I grabbed the money from my wallet. I thrust it out. And even though traffic is parted and I was able to come to a stop, like I don't feel like I have time to chit chat there before more traffic is going to show up. So I just thrust my hand out. I didn't know what to say. So all I did was hold out the money and say, God bless you. That's all I did. I didn't know what to say without hesitating. Again, the man was not asking for money. Uh, in fact, he was in a pair of black slacks and a red collared shirt. Um, and on the other side of the road that he was trying to cross, there was a, um, a Kmart and a Burger King. And he looked like he could have possibly been dressed to go to work at either one of those places. Um, so he's not asking for money. He's just waiting to cross the street. I hold out this cash and I say, God bless you. Without hesitating, Luann, he smiles and takes it. And he simply said, thank you. He didn't ask why he did nothing. He just immediately smiled, took it and said, thank you. He seemed humbly thankful and he did not seem surprised. Like I would be saying, what? Oh my gosh, for me, why are you giving me money? What? You know, um, it's almost like he expected that. Like maybe he had prayed for that. Mm. So I just smiled back at him put the window up, hit the gas pedal, and off I went. And then what I said to myself at that point inside my crazy mind, what if it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter? You know, it doesn't matter if he needed the money or not. It doesn't matter what he's going to spend it on. As far as it concerned me, it only mattered that I obeyed when I felt the impulse to be generous and give. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. There are times that I have ignored the prompting. I, I am not going to lie. And I think if we're honest, we all have. You know, we've felt that little knock on our heart and we haven't done it. And today, as we talk about whether what we see in other people is trash or treasure, I want to encourage us that God did not make anybody any less than no one i even remember and i'm probably gonna we're gonna get some phone calls on this one i bet but i remember 9 11 as we all do 
I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you how I watched everything unfold. And I called my pastor and said, uh, are we having the church open tonight so people can come and pray? And he said, wasn't planning on it. And I said, well, you need to plan on it because people are going to be looking for a place to go. They're going to be looking. And we need to have our doors open and we need to be praying for our country. And he said, well, that's, that's a lot of coordination. I said, what can I do to help? Because we need to do this. And one of the, one of the things that I brought up that night, we did. We opened our doors and people did pour into the church. And I, you know, it's a weekday and nobody said we're going to be open. We just opened the doors and people flooded in. And he said, okay, Prater, you got to come up with something, a way for us to pray. So there's, you know, some kind of program and he didn't use the word program, but this, there's some kind of a, of an order to the evening. And I said, I think as soon as we knew what was happening, I said, I think we need to pray for the people who are doing this. We need to pray for them. And he said, what? What about the people? I said, yeah, we need to pray for the people who have been hurt and their families and all of that. Yes, absolutely. But we need to pray for those people who have been misled by Satan to think that this is a good thing. And God loves them just as much as he loves us. And so why wouldn't we pray for everybody involved in that? And at first he bucked that whole idea. And then he said, nope, you're right. And so there's times when it just doesn't make sense. And we may look and prejudge and try to figure it out. You were trying to figure out if this man really needed your money but everybody has a need for God. Everybody has that missing part in their life, that, that vacancy. You know, you drive by a hotel that says vacancy. That's what our heart is like without God. And so whether we look at other people and say, I don't know, it's not up to us to understand if they are a trash or a treasure we are to treasure everybody and let them know how valuable they are you know one of the hardest things that jesus said one of the things that set him apart was that he taught love thy enemies you know pray for and love thy mm-hmm. enemies which is you know really that's your your response to that 9-11 prayer gathering was very biblical um, but we tend to put our enemies in the trash category mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so today we've talked a little bit about trash or treasure but as Rachel read in Matthew 6 God says store up treasures in heaven And the only thing that's ever going to make it to heaven is not our homes, it's not our cars, it's not our bank account, it is the people that we do life with. I am encouraging each one of us to look around and acknowledge and love and treasure 
the people, the people. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.